0: If you love Jesus and you really don't care, who knows it, clap your hands and give God big praise today. If he's been good to you and better to you than you deserve, clap your hands and give God big praise today. If you know it was him that kept you to the third Sunday of December 2021, mm-hmm. clap your hands and give him praise. Well, I'm waiting. If you're looking forward to what he's about to do in your life, why don't you give him praise today? We honor God for being here. I am so grateful to be here again. I thank God for um, Pastor Conway, that's one of my dearest friends, my brother. That's my brother for real, amen. Uh, And I think he's one of the best pastors on this side of heaven. Would you help me thank God for Pastor Conway Edwards? been at um, One Church since day one in the hotel. Um, since before since One, before one Church, uh, even before he was pastor, amen. I've had the privilege of being friends and doing ministry together, but I've had a chance to watch this church grow and develop. And I think if you're a part of One Community Church, you should be excited about having the privilege to be a part of one of the greatest churches God ever planted. Would you thank God for One Community Church? <laughs> Let's pray and then get into the word. God, I thank you today for who you are and for all your hand has provided. I thank you, hallelujah, I thank you today for grace and mercy and that you would hide me behind your glory and that you would be glorified. My prayer is today that you would speak and cause us to hear you and leave out far better than we came in. Would you save someone today, reconcile and restore someone. And in all of this, if you're glorified, we'll be satisfied in Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, First Kings 19. Uh, your lesson is coming from the entire chapter, but for time's sake, I will only read a few of the verses uh, for time's sake. First Kings 19 is the chapter uh, beginning with verse 1. If you have it, say amen. Ahab told Jezebel all that, the, that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die, this is what he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors, for time's sake, I'm going to stop right there, but keep your Bibles open, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors, I want to tag this text or talk about when it gets to be too much, that's what I want to talk about, when it gets to be too much, let me hear you say that, when it gets to be too much. Um, For many years, this passage of Scripture has troubled me as a preacher. I can remember the anxiety of this passage when God first led me to use it in a sermonic form. I was a new pastor at the St. Luke Baptist Church over 20 years ago, and I was in this sermon series on the life of Elijah. And Elijah is one of my favorite biblical heroes. And so we started in 1 Kings chapter 17 with Elijah down by the brook, uh, where the Lord fed him with the raven, with a bird twice a day, meat and bread. A bird brought food to him and sustained him. And I remember preaching that sermon about uh, God by the brook, and I remember uh, it ending so high. I mean, we were just uh, leaving out of church on cloud nine about God using a bird to provide and how God will always make a way. And then the next Sunday we came back and it was First Kings chapter 17 uh, verse 8 and 9 when God uh, commanded a widow woman at Zarephath to take care of Elijah and she only had a handful of meal and Elijah convinced her to uh, make him a cake first and then for herself and God took care of her and her son and Elijah for many days on a handful of meal and I remember uh, the end of that sermon that day with what God would do with a handful. And you know me by now, you know, I'm Baptocostal. And so, uh, boy, we were all over the place. We were screaming and shouting about what God would do with a handful. And then the next week I came back and preached about uh, the son that died in the house uh, with Elijah while he was there. And he took him upstairs and prayed and we talked about God resurrecting some things in your house. And I mean, it was, you think the Sunday before was crazy. That one was all out pandemonium. We were screaming and shouting about God raising up some stuff in our houses. I mean, we were taking glasses and wigs off. It was bad. And, uh, it was all bad. We were going in hard and then the next week we came back and God uh, met Elijah on Mount Carmel when he literally prayed down fire from heaven. I've been preaching this sermon all day and yesterday and I'm amazed that people have been in church so long they act like praying fire out of heaven is normal. I said Elijah prayed down fire out of heaven and y'all were like okay. When was that time you prayed and fire just fell down out of heaven? He prayed, and fire fell down out of heaven, and we were screaming and shouting about the goodness of God as he proved that God is Jehovah. Then we come back, and he prays for rain and a drought from three years ends uh, at the prayer of rain. And then I remember going home, getting my sermon together to close out and get ready for this Elijah series for the next week. And I get to chapter 19, and chapter 19 says, Elijah is depressed. I turned my page to chapter 20. I said, well, we'll skip that chapter. <laughs> Let's see what, what 20 says, because there's no way in the world I'm going back to church after all of these Sundays of Elijah being this hero who's raising dead, calling out fire, making it rain in the holy way. And <laughs> it went over some of y'all in the holy way. And, and then we get to chapter 19, and, and, and he's depressed. I just wanted to rip that page out of the Bible because I could not understand how I could go and make sense to the congregation that our hero is now depressed. So I struggled all week, and you already know I've been coming here ever since day one, so you know you're supposed to talk back to me, I shouldn't have to keep telling you that. So by now, you should have said, Preach Alexander. (laughs) Y'all know this though, I mean really, quit playing. Say it one more time, Preach Alexander. And so I'm struggling trying to figure out how do I make this live, how do I bring gospel to the idea that our hero is now depressed, and all week long I grapple with that because now uh, not only is he depressed, but he's depressed at the strange time. I would have appreciated Elijah if he had been depressed at the beginning of the story and then worked his way out of it so I would have somewhere to build, but he's kind of killing my momentum by being depressed after he wins a victory on Mount Carmel, after he kills over 450 of veils prophets. He's kind of depressed at the wrong time. And I really want to rearrange the story, preach pastor, and make him depressed first and happy after because it really not, doesn't give me a good climax to, for you to get all of these victories and then we end with you being depressed. You kind of ruined the whole thing, Elijah, by being depressed after the victory. It's hard to imagine a person with his character suddenly depressed. And, 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 and from the outside looking in, he really doesn't have any reason to be depressed. He's he's prayed fire from heaven. He's prayed rain from heaven. He's been cared for by a woman uh, with a handful of meal. He's been taken care of by a bird at a brook. And he's won all of his battles. And so now he's depressed. And I think by visual assessment, you really don't have right to be depressed. But scoot up, child of God. I have something I need to tell you right quick. And then I'll move on. And that is, you have to be careful uh, because your external victories are not always a mirror reflection of your internal condition. You can be winning on the outside and about to lose your mind on the inside all at the same time. Now, I want, I, I, listen, if you don't holler because you got a mask on and you're scared you're going to hyperventilate, just wave your hand at me, but you got to say something, and, and that is that sometimes I can be blessed and burdened at the same time. Sometimes I can be powerful and in pain at the same time. Sometimes I can be making it happen for others while my life internally is falling apart. I'm talking to the strong person that knows how to make it happen for the family, for the job, at church, and for everyone else, while on the inside it feels like you're about to lose your mind. And sometimes people take our right to be depressed. Because we're always the one who makes it happen. And then we look at your life and say, what are you depressed about? You got a nice house, you should be happy. Thank God for the house. But what happens when you don't want to go to it? You got a beautiful spouse? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be careful, she might be watching. Got a gorgeous spouse, got a handsome husband, but what about when you're not filling them in? Then those beautiful children. And some of them need more than a pinch and a turn. (laughs) (laughs) Pinch and a turn. Some of y'all got some children, you just want to do like this. (laughs) (laughs) I brought you in, and guess what, partner? I will gladly take you out. You understand? (laughs) And so so it's hard sometimes, especially when you're a winner and when you're strong and when you're successful, nobody gives you space to be down. Somebody's always needing something. I mean, that's why I like coming here. That's why I agreed to be the teaching pastor. Because at St. At, at Luke, I'm D pastor, and so everybody needs prayer, counseling, healing, deliverance, uh, turn around, a hug, and a kiss. And here, I just get to preach and go out the door. I love y'all. <laughs> if, if you ask me for prayer, I'm going to be like, he's right over there. His name is Conway Edwards, not me. I'm just here to preach and leave. I mean, and then thank God for the mask. Uh, now, when I don't want to smile, just put your mask on. <laughs> you don't even know if I got teeth up on here right now. I'm just you know, and then social distance, you don't always feel like hugging, you don't always feel like being on your best T's and Q's, you don't feel like crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's, you don't feel like saying I'm blessed and highly favored every Sunday when you don't even feel like being at church talk to me somebody, you don't feel like always smiling and loving Jesus, you'll jump in anytime, sometimes you just want to have a moment to feel like you feel and sometimes that feeling is not so hot. But and and, and visual assessment is not always a reflection of what I'm feeling. Because on my best day externally, it could be my hardest day internally. Uh, And and, and by the way, before I be too hard on Elijah, he's not the only one that had this episode. Ezekiel got depressed. uh, uh, Jeremiah got so depressed, uh, he's known as the weeping prophet. He was crying all the time. Jonah got depressed, and Peter got depressed. Uh, for his failure. And John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who was the forerunner for Jesus, he got so depressed in prison, he sent a message to Jesus and said, now, man, look, before I go through all this, are you really the one? (laughs) Or should we look for another. So in Eli- with Elijah chapter 17, we see him in his humility. And then in chapter uh, 18, we see him as a hero. But then in chapter 19, we see his humanity because I don't care how saved, sanctified, and how much you love Jesus, you're still human. And I don't care how much faith you have, you still hurt every now and then. John Wesley, the great church leader was no stranger to his experience. He once wrote, I am not a Christian. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers in history of the Christian church and is studied by all serious preachers and biblical students at some point in their seminary journey, says uh, you cannot expect great highs without also expecting a great measure of depression afterwards. Highs are followed with some lows. Here's what I'm trying to get, and the struggle of the winner, you got to be real careful being jealous of a winner if you didn't live through their struggle. Folks will see you winning and start hating on you and think you got a good life, but if you weren't there for the struggle, you can't really appreciate my win because, let me just go back, I I really got to chapter 19 with Elijah and said, Elijah, how did you all of a sudden end up depressed after all these wins? And what Elijah really uh, reveals to me by way of studying is that who told you, Eric, it was all of a sudden? I just said something in chapter 19. But how many of you know if I'm just saying something in chapter 19, that means I've been struggling way before Talk to me, somebody. Chapter 19, I need somebody to be a witness. By the time I express my frustration out loud, I've been dealing with it silently for a while. Who told you I wasn't depressed in chapter 17 when God left me at a brook having to wait on a bird all by myself? And who told you I wasn't depressed having to beg a widow for her last food? And who told you I wasn't sad when I was battling on Mount Carmel by myself? I just articulated it in chapter 19. That does not mean I just start struggling with it. Let me see if I got some witnesses. Some of us just know how to make our struggle look good. I don't have the right crowd. I'll I'll say it one more time. Some of us know how to make our struggles look good. We fix our hair, we dye our beard, I mean, comb our beard, and we put on our clothes and we make a hard day look real good. But up under, we're going through. Cause my mama taught me what goes on in your house stays in your house and you don't wear your life on your sleeve. So we've learned how to make it look good and Elijah was winning, but then Elijah says, it's enough. It's enough. And I don't, I don't know who am I talking to, but I just need to make sure I got the right sermon and make sure your neighbor know I have the right sermon. As much as you love being married, sometimes it gets to be too much. I'm gonna try it again. They're sitting next to you, wink at me. As much as you love, being married sometimes it gets to be too much and there it is and much as you love being a parent some days yeah you don't want them adopted forever but if somebody can just if you can go on a three-month plan you know (laughs) just, just three months i'll take them back after after christmas and new years and all that bring them back around easter i'll dress them up real cute i mean just but but sometimes you just want a break. You sometimes want to be a a break from being a good Christian. Y'all not being real, but (laughs) every day I don't feel like shouting. Like the day I'm trying to get on the interstate and somebody, some idiot decides they don't want me on the interstate. And they just speed up and get in my way and then they're they're waving at me but only using one finger. I don't always want to just say bless you. I want to speed up and get on the side of him and let my window down and because some days it just gets to be too too much. But let me show you what the problem is and I'm going to hurry on. Here it is. Uh, When when life gets to be too much, uh, sometimes it's, it's physical. Somebody says it's physical. When you're always putting out, like Elijah was putting out, always making it happen for others, always being the one, the go-to, always being the good Christian, the good, strong person in life, always making the family come together, always putting it through, sometimes you're just tired. And it's dangerous when you don't know how to take time off for yourself and do self-care. Sometimes you don't need to resign from it, but you do need to rest from it. I'm telling you Some of us are so tired of issues, if you don't don't hear me articulating it, it's not because I don't have a problem with you. I'm just too tired to tell you. Let me give you an example. You'll go home and your wife will just start fussing and you'll be like, where all this come from? All of a sudden. She said, all of a sudden? I haven't liked you for three months. (laughs) I I just been too tired to deal with it. When you're tired, you get irritable, and when when you're tired, nothing satisfies you. When you're tired, you can't think straight. Uh, I have three children. I have a 22-year-old, I have a 16-year-old, and then I have a six-year-old. Mind your business. (laughs) That's not your business. Uh, (laughs) So I have one in college, one in high school, and one in kindergarten, first grade, yeah. I forget, yeah and and he's six and you know i've been pastoring in the same i've been preaching in the same city 30 years i've been uh pastoring in the same city 25 years and so i have sons in the gospel and they pastor and so all of their sons in the gospel call me grand or granddaddy and all this and grandpastor. and one of those grandchildren of mine has a child in the same class with my child and and that's why i keep dying this because i don't want to go and pick him up and they're like ethan your granddaddy here <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just keep dying, This like, when he's tall as I am, then I'll let it come on out. And I got there one day and, and the guy says, hey grandpa, oh no, 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 we're not doing that right now, my name is Eric, amen. And so because I have a six year old and uh, the other day his mom came home and he was just hollering and crying about every single thing, he didn't want what she wanted him to eat. He didn't want to wear what she wanted him to wear. He didn't want to watch what she wanted him to watch. Everything was bothering. She was like, what's wrong with you? But you know, I told you I have a 22-year-old, a 16-year-old, and so this is not new. I said, come here. I know what's wrong with him. Come here. And uh, he's just hollering and crying, and she's trying to figure out what, I said. Come here. And, and when he gets there, I said, lay down. The only thing that's wrong with you is you need rest. And some of y'all are taking a whole lot of stuff out on people because you need. Don't resign, just get some rest. I got a point in this sermon I'm trying to take out because my wife watched the last service and texts me. Because I love when she takes girls trips. That's one of the best things in the world. She says, do you mind me taking a dr- girls trip? Mind. mine. <laughs> where are you going (laughs) how long how much money do you need to stay as long she said i was thinking three days i was thinking five (laughs) matter of fact i'll pay for two more girls to go if you stay a little while longer. (laughs) i got in the back a minute ago and she texted oh so it's gonna be a lot of girls trips in 2022 since you need so much rest from me I'm texting back. Yep. <laughs> Cause as much as I love you, you sometimes need rest from your assignment. Somebody waving me. You all look at somebody in your house and say, I love y'all, <laughs> but I need rest from you some days. You didn't really have to work over that long. You just weren't ready to go home. Rest. Somebody holler, rest. I'm closing. Let me go. Because your assignment of life can be draining, devastating, and demanding. Um, And you get tired of having to fight. He says, the reason I need rest is because I'm tired of the persistent struggle. I have the victory, but I've had to fight for all of them. It looks good to the outside, but nobody knows how hard I have to fight to make it happen. And sometimes it's not the victory you're struggling with, it's the struggle you have to go through to get the victory. Sometimes you feel like, you remember when Celie told Harpo to beat Sophia and that didn't work out too well. And you know why? Because Sophia says, all my life, I had to fight. You remember she said, I'll kill him dead. Because some days you feel like for everything I've accomplished, I've had to fight for it. And some days it looks like while you're coming up on the rough side of the mountain, your neighbors have an escalator. It just glides them up. (laughs) And so it's the persistent fight. But there's another thing that weighs with life getting to be too much, and that is when you become prideful. Scoot up. Scoot up. For real. You didn't move. You looked up. Scoot up. (laughs) When you are accustomed to being strong and winning, you also get accustomed and intoxicated and addicted to the win and sometimes you think that you're supposed to always win. Victory can be so intoxicating that you don't know how to handle failures or down days. You're so used or accustomed to making it happen, you don't know how to act when it doesn't happen the way you expect it, talk to me somebody. And some days you're so used to victory and winning and being successful because you know what to do on your job, you know what to do in the family, you know what to do in your walk with life, you know what to do in marriage, that when it does not come together, sometimes God has to allow you to hit a brick wall just to remind you that you're still human and you're not God. And some of us don't know how much we've gotten beside ourselves until we have a hard day and then we start trying to check God like we don't deserve to be at this point in our life with all the hard work we do and with all the time we put in and with all the effort, you see how you sound, we put in, some days we get prideful because we're used to winning. Got beside himself, started telling God, it's enough now. Did you just tell God when it's enough? Then he started telling God, just let me die. I'd rather die than to keep fighting. And some days we get so prideful that we tell God, it's my way or no way. Oh, somebody ought to holler, preach pastor. Everything Elijah accomplished, some kind of way, made him think he had a right to call the shots. He sometimes, some kind of way got mixed up with the difference between the hand and the glove. He started thinking, just because he accomplished it, it was him. What he forgot was, you're just the glove. God's hand is what made it happen. And how many times have you gotten beside yourself because it's not going your way right now? Five or six of you ought to just stand up and let everybody else know I got the right sermon. Just wave your hands. And say, he has the right sermon. Because some days I start parting with God. Why is this not working? Why is this not working? I'd rather quit than keep striving and trying with this. And God is saying to us, maybe you think you're making it work. If I take my hand out of it, you'll fail every time. I don't want you to hit anybody, it's COVID, but fist bump somebody and tell them you're just a glove. You should have hit their fists a little harder than that. Hit them again. Tell them, you're just a glove. Tell them, you're not all that. If he takes his hand away, you'd fail. And by the way, God does not have to knock you down to make you fall. All God has to do is step back. You're going to fall. Because the fact of the matter is, the only reason I'm standing is because he's holding me up. So, physical make makes life too much. Pride makes life too much. Then perception can make life too much. When you start seeing things incorrectly. Let's go. Here it is. Y'all ready? Let's go. We're going to try it again. Scoot up. Mm -hmm. Tell your neighbor they didn't move because they were tired. I said, scoot up. (laughs) Are you ready? If you allow the wrong people in your ear in your space. Now, if I was back at St. Luke, somebody would have stood up by now and said, You better preach, Pastor. Pretend like I'm at St. Luke's. So you better preach, Pastor. You have to guard your space, especially when you're tired. Let me let me talk this side over here. You have to guard your space, especially when you're frustrated. When you are tired and frustrated with your wife, don't listen to anybody who is not of God. You have to guard your space. When you're angry and frustrated, don't listen to anybody that's mad with church. When you are angry and frustrated when you're already tired, you have to guard your ears and put filters over them. And by the way, that also means you have to sometimes cut off Instagram and Facebook because the last thing you need when you're frustrated is a whole lot of foolishness coming into a headspace that's already struggling. I need somebody to be honest. When I'm crazy, I don't need help being crazy. I know how to be crazy all by myself. When I'm ignorant, I don't need anybody to push me to be ignorant. I wake up ignorant. When I'm mean, I don't need a book to teach me how to throw shade and be petty and be mean, I got it down pat. (laughs) I'm going to stop right there. I've been delivered from cussing. But just like a, a recovering alcoholic, I'm always in recovery. And when I'm mad, I don't need anybody flame in the fire. I know how to be silly all by my talk to me, somebody. <laughs> but a messenger came and got in his ear. And how many people have messed up good marriages with the wrong person in your ear? How many people have lost their jobs with the wrong people in your ear? How many people are at home from church while you're in here because they had the wrong person in their ear? The messenger came and says to him that Jezebel said, you got to always be careful of they say it, people. But Jezebel said, I, why Jezebel didn't come? Since she's so bad. Since she's bad enough to kill me, why are you standing here and not Jezebel. Then Jezebel says, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. Come on, let's just push back against this messenger. You got to start pushing back when Satan sends you messages that are not from God. Since Jezebel was going to kill me, why did Jezebel send a messenger instead of an assassin? Can I tell you why? Because Jezebel can't kill me because if Jezebel could have killed me, she would have killed me three chapters ago. what Jezebel, I feel better children, what Jezebel is trying to do is trying to get me to do to me what she can't do to me. You're missing it. You're missing it. You would have got up out of your seat because the enemy can't kill you because if the enemy could have killed you, the enemy would have killed you a long time ago. The enemy can't stop you, because if the enemy could have stop you, the enemy would have stop you. Woo! Woo! Somebody ought to holler, I'm covered. You didn't say it like you Baptocostal. You need to shout, I'm covered. He couldn't kill me if he wanted to, because I'm covered. Couldn't stop me if he wanted to, because I'm covered. I'm so covered that all things are working together for my good. I'm so covered that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm so covered that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm so covered that the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not walk. I'm covered. High five yourself and shout, I'm covered. But this is what the enemy does. Since God won't let your enemy kill you, he tries to talk you into killing yourself. Since the enemy really is powerless over the believer when he walks in his authority, he can't really stop you if you don't let him. He tries to talk you into stopping on your own. He can't steal your joy so he's trying to get you to turn your joy in. (laughs) He can't take the victory so he's trying to get you to forfeit your victory. But what the Lord has for me, I wish I had the right game here, it is for me. So the perception got destroyed. He's wanting to die because of something Jezebel said. He's wanting to leave, and he goes away from everybody. And it's believed in my studies that he traveled some 125 miles out of the way. He went away, and then he went another day's journey, and he left his servant, and he left Judah. Judah, the place of praise. I got so happy when y'all were praising God earlier because, you know, there's victory in your praise. It's hard to wrestle with the devil. The devil can't really bother you when you're in the middle of a praise. And so when Pastor Conway kept saying, they're not done yet. They hadn't got it all out yet. I just want to holler, get it all out. Because what the enemy does when he's coming for you, about to get you, if you go up in a hallelujah, he's like, oh, never mind. God got something going. And so, but when you get so down, you stop praising and connecting with God. Stop praying. Stop staying in the place of ministry, Judah, of ministry and church and praise and leave your servant behind that one who was put there to minister to you. Be careful when you're going through because Satan wants you to leave everything that was set in place to minister to you. You really will get irritable with your spouse. You really will get irritable with the prayer people in your life. You don't feel like praying when you're going through. Somebody said, "Come on, let's pray." Like, oh my God. You'll get irritable with the pastor. You'll want to quit going to church. All the places we shouldn't go—that's where we want to pull back from. Then you want to isolate and get off by yourself. You really want to go where nobody knows your name. And he's trying to get you alone so he can finish working on your mind to mess up your perception. Because Dr. Doug White says this. He says, when you believe a lie, the results are true. My God. Even though it's a lie, you can bring true results out of a total lie of the enemy. If you believe it, you start reaping true results to a total lie. And you stop reacting and you start overreacting. So he puts him down to sleep for rest. Then he replenishes him with bread. And that's why I want to close. He makes him eat bread. And that bread represents the word of God for us today. And when your pastor was talking about starting on the reading plan for the year, you need more bread for the assignment that's on your life. Just a memory verse won't do for all you got going on. Lift your name to your life too messed up for just a memory verse. <laughs> you don't have that kind of life. Based on the assignment and the life God has given you, It's not gonna happen because you ran around the church a whole lot and you did some jumping jacks and spoke in tongues. It's gonna happen because you got more words. And and that's not gonna make you shout right now, but it'll it'll really make you live better. That my word intake needs to match my assignment. And the higher I go up, the more bread I'm going to need. Y'all not hearing me. At the brook, he ate twice a day, meat and bread from a bird. At the woman's house, he ate a handful of bread, uh, yeah, every day. Um, He had a cake every day. But then he goes on the mountain, but we hear about the victory, we don't hear about any bread. He calls down rain, and we hear about the rain, but we don't hear about any bread. Why? Because now you've gotten so used to winning, you forgot to go back and get enough word to match your win. <laughs> Woo And there's another reason you need more bread. Elijah said something, he says, it's enough now. I can't take it. The journey has become too heavy. Then when the angel comes, and that's a whole nother sermon. This is not Shout Sunday, so we're going to try to skip it. At the brook, he fed him with a bird. At the woman's house, he fed him with a woman. But then in 19, the first one was an angel. Oh my god. He fell asleep, and he comes back in the same night, and it was the angel of the Lord. Oh my god. First one was a bird. Second one was a woman. Third one was an angel. The fourth one was the angel of the Lord. There comes a time that you have to quit eating bird bread. And there comes a time you have to quit eating out of your mama's hands, preach fast. There comes a time you can't just take what the preacher says, an angel. There comes a time you got to get with God for yourself. I thank God for the bird. I thank God for my mama. I thank God for my preacher. But I thank God I got him for myself. I thank God if the preacher don't show up, I got him for myself. I thank God when I can't find my mother, I got him for myself. And is there anybody here? They can thank God for everybody else, but thank God you know him for yourself. Look at somebody and say, I got him for myself. I got him on my own this time. Then the angel says, the journey is too much for you. You're right. It's not true that I won't put more on you than you can bet. I always put more on you than you can bet. Because I never planned on you bearing it by yourself. You never could do it all. At the brook, that was me. With the woman, that was me. On the mountain, that was me. And your next move, that will be me. Yesterday, it was him. Today, it was him. In the morning, when I was down, it was him. When I was up, it was him. Right now, when I'm well, when I'm sick, that's how you're going to make it. That's how you're going to make it. That's how you're going to make it. Somebody shot all him all here